All right. So what do we say, guys? A, B, C, D, E, F? G. G stands for glucose. Don't ever forget it. Does that make sense when you're assessing patients? You see what we talked about, that patient that came inside out to lunch, that patient with decreased LOC, that could easily be on the LOCC part two of the exam. That could easily, could easily ask you elements of that for the CCFP examination. Is that complete? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Let's start rocking some infections, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about the wonderful world of diabetes. Does that sound okay? Ready to rock? Yeah. All right, give me some infections here, folks. Some big type of infections. Let's talk about pneumonia. Is pneumonia pretty common, guys? Mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent. Now this time, this study group, I'm going to take things a little bit further because I'm not going to talk about, I'm, I'm going to talk about community acquired pneumonia, I'm going to talk about pediatric pneumonia, and we're going to talk about healthcare associated pneumonia, and we're going to talk about ventilator associated pneumonia. Does that make sense? Yeah. We good so far? And hospital acquired pneumonia. Are we good so far? So what is pneumonia? Give me a definition for pneumonia that I can use, folks. Shout out something. Excellent. So it's an infection of the lung parenchyma. What can happen? Well, basically, what's supposed to be in our lungs? Our supposed to be our lungs are supposed to be the alveoli spaces are supposed to be full of air. And what happens? They're full of pus and bacteria and all sorts of stuff. So what can happen? Right? Your lungs, instead of being full of air, they're now full of fluid. Are you going to be able to exchange gas very well? No. Lungs that are full with of a fluid are harder to move, so you can go into respiratory failure. And then if, that gives, if we don't do something about that, you die. Right? So in pneumonia, I have, I have an infection in the lung parenchyma. Now let's take pneumonia all the way from baby. Oh, cute little baby. Yay. We have a cute little baby first. Yay. You have a two-week-old who comes to you and presents. And they have, so what are you going to think about? Okay, what do we always say? Anybody comes in, um, a kid comes in under a month old, what are you going to think about? Amp end? Amp end? Amp end? Excellent. Are these kids super sick? Yeah. Super, 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 super sick. Does that make sense? Are they going to stay in Sioux Lookout? No. no. Excellent. Do you need to do your ABCs? Yeah. Do you need to do your OMIP? Yeah. And what antibiotics are you going to give? Amp end? Yeah. There you go. Do you need to call for help? Yeah. There you go. Does that make sense? Do they need a blood culture? Yes, they do. Do they need a chest x-ray? Yes, they do. Because they are super sick. And they can get super sick quickly. And LP. Uh, pardon me? And LP. Does that make sense? Yeah. Especially if they have a fever. Does that make sense? Yeah. Excellent. We good so far? Yeah. All right. What are the big bugs that can cause pneumonia? GBS. Good. So what are the three? Anytime you have an infection in a really, really time, think about three bugs. What is it? GBS, Listeria, E. coli. What did I say? GBS, Listeria, E. coli. Repeat it. GBS, Repeat it. GBS, Listeria, E. coli. If I ask you, what are the three most common bugs responsible for this pneumonia in a, in a two-week-old infant, you're going to say? GBS, Listeria, E. coli. Excellent. All right. All these bugs can occur around mommy's bum. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So we know pneumonia. Pneumonia is an infection of the lung parenchyma. I know in the neonatal pneumonia, I'm going to treat it like my general approach to neonatal sepsis, amp, gent, ship. Does that make sense? Yeah, blood cultures. We're going to make sure electrolytes are, out of, uh, are not out of whack. We're going to make sure that, that that child receives proper fluid resuscitation. If they're septic and in shock, we're going to make sure that we treat that appropriately. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. We good so far? Yeah. All right. Now, we're going to talk about the brand new IDSA guidelines for pediatric pneumonia. Next. All right. And now, usually, most kids under three months, you're not going to be managing them as an outpatient for the pneumonia. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
they're going to be coming into hospital at least for a part of their, uh, uh, um, um, at least for a part of their stay before you send them home. Does that make sense? And I would say most kids, the vast majority of kids under six months. We can all agree on that? Mm-hmm. So you're going to at least bring them in. So we can talk about outpatient management versus inpatient management. What does the new IDDSK guidelines talk about pneumonia? They talk about, okay, let's deal with outpatients first in kids. Okay, what in older kids now, what are the big bugs that can cause a pneumonia? Um, we're talking old, like... Yeah, older kids. Let's say I have an eight-month-old. What's a big bug that can cause a pneumonia? Good. Excellent. Everybody say strep pneuma. What did I say? Strep pneuma. Everybody say H flu. Everybody say H cataralis. Uh, M cataralis. Excellent. Now, those kind of organisms are what? Are they bacteria? Mm-hmm. But uh, is it only bacteria that can cause pneumonia? Mm-hmm. No. Can viruses cause pneumonia? Yeah. Viral pneumonias are folks, if I were to ask you what is the most common type of pneumonia in the pneumonia age group, is it bacterial? No, it's viral. viral. Can you differentiate viral and bacterial pneumonia on x-ray? Hard. Does that make sense? Yeah, there can be certain features. We'll talk about you know, more of an interstitial pattern versus more of a discrete consolidation, but it's not like you know, 100%. Does that make sense? Is that crystal clear? All right. So viral. What's that other virus? It's floating around now. I got a shot for it about a couple months ago. In flu... Enza. Everybody repeat after me. I will not forget influenza. about influenza. Repeat it again. I will not forget, I will not forget about, influenza. about influenza. You have to remember influenza, folk. Influenza can make people sick. Influenza can lead to a primary influenza pneumonia, but can also lead to a secondary bacterial pneumonia. So watch the double dipping. You know what I say, guys? Watch the double dipping. I get concerned about people who come into the eMERGE and they say, I was sick a week ago, then I felt better, and now I'm really sick again. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that crystal clear? All right, so, so always keep in mind influenza. Other things that I have to always keep in mind as well, too, tuberculosis. Excellent. Think about that. Put that in the back of your mind. This person has had a pneumonia for nine months and is losing weight. And is, you understand? Right? What else can cause it? Can funguses cause pneumonia? Yeah. Yes, they can. So histoplasmosis, coccidiomycosis, blastomycosis, exactly, right? Now, of course, those are not nearly as common, but again, you want to make sure that you have them in your back of your mind just so your spider sense is kind of tingling. Does that make sense? Right? Excellent. Okay, so let's talk about outpatients. Does that make sense? And what we're going to do is we're going to arrange people from kind of two age groups. Kind of, remember we said most people under six months, they're going to go into hospital with pneumonia. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about six months to six years and five, six years and then greater than five or six years. What are we going to do for an outpatient with pneumonia? Now, let's ask ourselves this question. Do outpatients need pneumonia? You need to get them extra. All the time. Mandatory x-rays. You come inside, mandatory. Is there any evidence for doing an x-ray on an otherwise healthy patient with a mild pneumonia that you're going to treat as an, ex- uh, as an outpatient? The answer is no. No evidence for routine x-rays because can you effectively differentiate between viral versus bacterial? No. So why am I going to be exposed? Yeah, I know for kids that I'm going to bring into hospital, I know that kids have a SAT of, that with a SAT of 70%, I'm going to do an x-ray on. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. But for your average outpatient that comes inside and they're thinking, man, maybe this kid has a pneumonia, am I going to do a mandatory x-ray if they're otherwise okay? Vital signs are stable, running around, does that make sense? Probably not. Now that 
being the, keeping that in mind, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping that in mind as well. If I have a kid that's running around, vital signs are stable, and I'm saying, wow, I hear some crackles on their chest. Maybe they have a pneumonia. And we said that pneumonia is likely what? Bacterial viral. Viral. Do antibiotics help with viruses? No. So I need to necessarily give them antibiotics? No. No, not necessarily, right? Yeah, of course, if they're sicker, high fever, bringing them into hospital. You know what I mean? What about blood work? All kids come inside, four-year-old comes inside, looks great. You know what I mean? Vital signs are perfection. Inside playing computer games, playing Angry Birds on mommy's cell phone. Does that make sense? And you're going to say, no, we need to do blood work and a blood set of blood cultures. Is that going to be correct? No. No. No mandatory blood work. Does that make sense for that patient population? Especially in outpatients. Does that make sense? Sputums! we got to get them to hork up a loogie for us. Come on! Hork it up, son! There you go! Give me cotton! No, you're not going to do that. Does that make sense? No evidence. That kind of gesture for most... So, exactly, right? You're just going to get a whole bunch of oral fluid in this. Does that make sense? You're not going to know what you're going to treat. So, what is my mandatory thing? So, do I do a routine x-ray? No. Do I do routine blood work? No. Do I do routine culture? No. Do I have to give that kid... Antibiotics, if they're otherwise well? No. Probably not. Maybe they have a viral pneumonia. Does that make sense? Do I have to do a routine x-ray? No. So mild outpatients, do they need any particular investigations? Probably not. Does that kind of jive? All right. Let's say I'm concerned that they do have a bacterial pneumonia. So they have a higher fever. They may look a little bit sicker. But I don't think they're, 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 they're sick enough to bring into hospital. Does that kind of jive? What is the big pathogen? This is new with the IDSA. It really puts the emphasis on one big pathogen. And what is that pathogen? Streptococcus pneumoniae. So between six months, and I remember between about six months and five and six years, I want to make sure that I'm getting good pneumococcus coverage. Does that make sense? Is that crystal clear? Now for outpatients, what gives me good pneumococcus coverage? Amoxicillin. Remember high dose, 90 milligrams per kilogram, 80 to 90 milligrams per kilogram, high dose amoxicillin. Does that kind of jive? That's what you're going to treat, a bacterial pneumonia with. But you're going to say, Mike, how can you look at that? Like a plasma, like how do I tell the difference? Does this kid need a moxicillin? And you know what? If you read the guideline, it's actually they've actually put the emphasis on the pneumococcus. The bad stuff happens with the pneumococcus, the empyemas, the kids getting super sick. Mm-hmm. Happens a lot with the group A streppers and the pneumococcus, right? They're finding that a lot of times mycoplasma pneumonia, if I treat it in a kid that's well enough, does that make sense? To be an outpatient, I don't know if that's gonna affect their outcome. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that crystal clear? So really focus on, yeah, if you're thinking, oh man, this kid's x-ray has this kind of pattern, and this kid has this, and then fine, add some, add some, and what agent would I use? I may consider a macrolide. Does that make sense? To it. But they really put the emphasis on pneumococcus coverage. Does that kind of jive? Mm -hmm. Good so far? For outpatients, what do we do above five or six months, right? Do we still want to make sure that we cover for pneumococcus? And the answer is yes. Pediatric guideline talks about make sure you're covering for pneumococcus. There's actually a higher rate of macrolide resistance to pneumococcus. So macrolides have really moved into the second forefront. They actually say as part of the guideline, listen, if you think that this is a ma- a- an atypical infection, then add the azithromycin, but you don't have to do it routinely. Is that crystal clear? Mm-hmm. We good so far, folks? Mm-hmm. All right, we're rocking with the pneumonia. Okay, um, we talked about outpatients. Let's talk about some inpatients. So what are you going to do? 
Now you actually say, you ask yourself, how many times did what did, is this kid vaccinated? Remember, what did we give kids when I was young, when you were young, we didn't get these vaccinations, pneumococcus and pneumovax, and now they have, what, 15 serotypes of this thing now? And before they had pneumococcus, you know what I mean? Uh, seven, and I think now it's, what, 15? It's 15 now, right? 13 or 15 serotypes, right? And now that we have kids and they've been vaccinated, does that make sense? You can now use your vaccination status to kind of just help you out. That you can now ask yourself, you know what? I still want to make sure I'm covering my pneumococcus. Does that make sense? They're based on vaccination status. They say if you've gotten three doses of of the pneumococcal vaccination. Does that make sense? We consider what you call fully vaccinated. Does that make sense? What did I say, guys? We consider what you call fully vaccinated. So let's do vaccination schedule. Everybody write this down. Put a star beside it. I need to know my pediatric vaccination schedule. Not based in Ontario. Not based in Quebec. Not based in Alberta. Not based in BC. But based by the NACI guidelines. What did I say, guys? What guidelines? The NACI guidelines. NACI guidelines gives me the actual national standard on vaccination. Does that make sense? What is recommendation? Remember, different problems is pick out what they want to pay for. Does that make sense? So rich provinces like Alberta will pick out the rich, you know what I mean, and stuff, and then you understand. So, But you don't want to know what your provincial vaccine, because that's not going to help you, because the people who write the exam are all across the country. So you want to go to the national, just like we've been doing, guidelines for COPD. We don't talk about Ontario COPD guidelines. We talked about the Canadian Thoracic Society guidelines. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because that's going to encompass all provinces. So remember, know your NACI guidelines. So remember, okay, so the average child, when would they get three doses of pneumococcus here? So we vaccinate, okay, when, at birth, the only thing I vaccinate for, okay, TB, hepatitis B, does that make sense? Okay, then when I get my first set of vaccinations, right, what do I get at how many months? At one month? No, two. Two months. two months. Okay, so two months. Then when that would be again. Yeah, exactly. And a Prevnar. Does that make sense? Uh, a new, uh, you can get a Prevnar. Yeah, exactly. At that time, you can. You know what I mean? And so you just want to make sure when they get because it varies a little bit by provincial formulary, right? Then at four months again. Does that make sense? Right. And then at six months again. So you know I can arrange it then in infants who are under six months. Right? Because I know most infants under six months, would they have three doses of Prevnar? Probably not. Does that make sense? Most infants for over six months, they're probably going to have, assuming their parents vaccinate their kids, does that make sense? They haven't missed their appointment. You're going to ask about that if I were to give you a clinical history on that. But they're going to have three or more pneumococcal vaccinations at that point. So basically, if they're an inpatient and they come into hospital and they have under three doses, does that make sense? Which is usually going to be under how many months, guys? Six. Six months, you want to remember this, you give them ceftriaxone, a third generation cephalosporin. Does that make sense? Does that kind of jive? If they're over six months, or, and I say or, they have three or greater doses of, pre, uh, of, uh, of pneumococcal vaccination, then I can probably use things like ampicillin or penicillin. Does that make sense? Because those things have excellent pneumococcal coverage. Does that kind of jive? Everybody following so far? Pneumonia, ah, ah, phone. New guidelines, stresses, pneumococcus. Does that make sense? You good so far? Yeah. Excellent. What's one of the side effects? Let's say a side effect. Let's say you have that kid and their pneumonia is not getting better. You're saying, okay, what am I telling me to do? I have an eight-month-old. I think I have a pneumonia. Okay, what else do I want to remember? Okay, I'm bringing this person in hospital. Could I need to do some blood work? Yeah. Especially if they're moderate to severe, I would. Evidence supports that. Good idea to do an x-ray? Yeah. Bring them into hospital, right? We'll do a PA and lateral film. Does that make sense? Right? Good idea a blood culture? Yeah. Bring them into hospital, especially, especially more so for moderate to severe kids. Does that make sense? We're crystal clear? 
All right, so what am I going to do now? Okay, I did that. I have an eight-month-old. Am I going to ask questions about the clinical history? Like, does that kid have CF? Is this a recurrent pneumonia? Does this kid have, you know, bronchopulmonary fistula? Does this thing have any, kid have any anatomical? Is this like the fifth pneumonia there? Because that might modify what I use to treat. Does that make sense? Remember, these are the guidelines for otherwise well kids. Does that make sense? Not your CF patient. This is their fifth pneumonia per year, right? You're not going to, you're going to use other agents. Is that crystal clear? Mm-hmm. All right, we're doing that. Okay, what do I say? Okay, this kid, you ask mom or dad, how many does? Oh, yeah, man, they've, they've been getting Prevnar. They're good to go. You check their immunization records. You say, okay, I want to use ampicillin. Does that make sense? Kid's vomiting. Let's use some ampicillin. We'll give it to them IV. The dose is in the guideline. You follow that. Two days later, 48 hours, the kid is no better. In fact, you think the kid is getting worse. You check the doses. Okay, is the kid getting the right antibiotic? You look back at the medication mark. There's been no missed medications. You know, you can't think about what. But the respiratory rate of this kid is gone up, you know what I mean? You repeat the x-ray and now the consolidation looks even worse. Does that make sense? You might see. So what kind of what kind of bugs might you be thinking of? How old is it? Eight months. Eight months. Yeah. Yeah, you could think about some gram negatives, right? What about other conditions, right? So maybe maybe it's maybe I'm not treating the right bug, but yeah. it could be gram negatives. Maybe it could be Yeah, with It could be, right? Maybe staph aureus. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Maybe MRSA. Mm-hmm. That's also another thing. So gram negative. Maybe could this be kid have TB? Could. Mm-hmm. Could this have fungal? Could be. Does that make sense? You're not exactly sure. Now, what would I ask on the exam? I would ask something like, you do that x-ray. What am I doing that x-ray for? Yeah, to see if the pneumonia got worse. Empi? There you go. Pneumococcus is a big cause of empi. So you have a kid and they're not getting with, with pneumonia. Yeah, it could be you're not getting the right dose of antibiotic. You're not covering the right bug. You, you know what I mean? You're, you, need to, you need to broaden your scope of your antibiotics. But you're doing that x-ray to make sure that there is no empi. Because remember, what's the microlial rule? Piss, pus, and poop must pass. So if I have an empi, and it's big enough. The treatment is not going to be just antibiotics, but it's going to be to put in a chest, to drain that. And what else can I push through the chest tube now that you need to know for the guideline? Thrombolytics. For a loculated, remember that, for a loculated uh, 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 um, complex empyema, you can consider using thrombolytics. And if those don't work, oftentimes we have to send those kids for surgery, right? For video-assisted thoracic surgery, right? Now, we don't do that with all kids with empyema, right? Most kids, you kind of assess, there's different sort of empyema sizes in kids. Like, there's one that's, you know, you'll have more of a paranormonic effusion pattern that's under, you know, a centimeter or one quarter of the hemothorax. And then you kind of have some that are between a quarter of the hemothorax and then a half of the hemothorax. Those you want to sample. Does that make sense? And look at the child in terms of degree of respiratory distress, and then you have large ones that are greater than a half of the hemothorax. Does that make greater than a half of the hemithorax, right? And those ones there, you can set, you can set, and you're gonna ask yourself, you, you have to do some imaging, ultrasound, CT to say, is it loculated, yes or no? And for loculated effusions, you may consider using thrombolytics. Does that make sense? So would you order a X-ray yes, I would to make yeah. If I saw like yeah, if I if I saw and I see that there's no effusion, does that make sense? I might no, I probably wouldn't. But if I see that there's an effusion, I'm like crap. Okay, I want to see. Uh, you want to ask yourself how big is the effusion, but also is it loculated? Does that make sense? Because a loculated effusion is a complicated effusion. Does that make sense? Is that crystal clear? Mm-hmm. And my options for that is, I remember, I can only do three things. I'm either going to do chest tube, chest tube with thrombolytics, or video-assisted thoracic surgery. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So simple, uncomplicated, not loculated effusion, maybe chest tube. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Not improving, chest tube thrombolytics through the chest. You understand? Maybe I have a loculation. Does that make sense? If that doesn't work, then I have to do surgery. Right? I have to actually go in there, video-assisted thoracic surgery, and lice all these things and manually break them down. 
Is that crystal clear? Yeah. Brand new things with the pediatric pneumonia guideline. Does that kind of jive? We good so far? Adults. Adults pneumonia eye gui- a guideline. The new one is coming out in 2015, so it's still the really old one. Does that make sense? I think in 2005 or 2006. Does that make sense? All right. Is pneumonia common? Right? Very, very so remember, we already had a definition. I have an infection in the lung parenchyma, right? You can die of respiratory failure because instead of your alveoli being filled with air, they're now being filled with pus, inflammatory exudate. That can make your lungs really... Uh, um, 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 that can affect your oxygenation, expect your, uh, um, um, affect your ability to ventilate, and you can end up with problems. Does that kind of jive? What does your pneumonia the guideline with adults say? It says that, okay, um, i got to make sure, do I still do my ABCs? Is that correct? Do I still have to do my OMIP? Exactly. Right? Now, just wait. let me ask you guys a question. Does everybody with pneumonia die? No. Do some people die? Do I want to pick up the people that I think are going to die? Exactly. So one of the key things I have to do at first, after I do my ABCs, after I do my OMIP, because right, I have to make sure I'm dealing with somebody who's still alive and who doesn't have a saturation of 64% and I'm just there doing mental masturbation to figure out what antibiotic I'm supposed to use, I, I still need to resuscitate them. Does that make sense? But I have to ask myself, risk stratification. What did I say, guys? Risk? Excellent. What's that, what's, that, uh, what's, that, what's that rule that we like to use? Curb? Excellent. Great little rule. Curb 65. So there's confusion, um, ur- uh, um, uh, um, urea, respiratory rate, blood pressure, and age gr- um, greater than 65. Does that make sense? Put something involved here. What do you say? Shh. I want everybody to say the letter A. When they say to say aspiration, what did I say? Aspiration. Some researchers were wondering how well does CURB 65 predict aspiration pneumonia? How well do you think it does? Not very good. Do you think aspiration pneumonia can account for 10 to 20 percent of pneumonias? Does that kind of jive? So you have somebody with Parkinson's disease, who's as- you know what I mean, or somebody who can't swallow, or someone who has you know, decreased LOC for a while, and all of a sudden they present with a pneumonia, you're going to think about aspiration pneumonia. Is that kind of job? But just realize that CURB-65 does not do a good job at predicting mortality in these people. Does that make sense? There's actually some evidence. So just keep in mind, aspiration is, is another entity that probably people do a whole lot worse. And it makes sense. If you are aspirating because you have something, like, like you're probably really sick with a whole lot of other things. Does that kind of jive? Like if you have a peg tube feed and that's why you're aspirating, like you're really sick, that's why you have a peg tube feed. Does that make sense? Crystal clear? I just know new evidence suggests that probably it doesn't do very well for predicting aspiration pneumonia. A for aspiration. What did he say? Shh. A for anaerobes. What did I say? Anaerobes. Anaerobes, right? I think about anaerobes. Could be big bugs in there. All right. So you're going to do your risk stratification. So you're going to do your ABCs. You're going to do your OMIP, right? You're going to make sure that you're going to resuscitate that person properly. And you have to do risk stratification. Now, we can risk stratify based on my CURB-65. But what did I just tell you guys? It may not work that well for what kind of pneumonias? Excellent. So don't underestimate. If you have somebody and they're 30 years old and they have a neuromuscular condition and everything else is fine, and you say, oh, their CURB-65 is zero, I can send them home. Just keep in mind it doesn't work well for what kind of pneumonias? There you go. We good so far? So I can have my CURB-65 score. I can have the people that I have in the 0 or 1 category, and then I have the people who are in the 2 and above category. Does that make sense? 
zero to one category, you can consider. What did I say? Consider outpatient management. What did I say? Consider outpatient. Remember, it doesn't mean I have to do them all because I have to make sure. Okay, if I'm giving you, if I'm giving, if you, if you have a pneumonia and I uh, and you have a pneumonia and I'm probably going to be giving you an antibiotic, then you must be able to not be doing what. Vomiting. Does that make sense? So you have to ask the ALS person, can the person take PO meds? Mm-hmm. I trick people on these all the time with that. You have this person and they're vomiting and their CURB 65 score is zero and you want to send them home on some macrolide. Does that make sense? They're puking, right? They're going to puke up the dose. Does that make sense? They're likely not going to get any better, right? What else do you have to make sure? Is that they don't require any oxygen. What did I say? Don't require any? Because they can't have probably oxygen at home. Does that come a jive? So you're going to ask yourself, can the person take, that's like your common sense patient, can they take medications, PO medications, and do they require any oxygen? Are we crystal clear, folks? Are we rocking? Excellent. If they can satisfy that, right, you're going to ask yourself this question, what's their chance that they have drug-resistant pneumococcus? What did I say, guys? Drug-resistant? Excellent. Who gets drug-resistant pneumococcus? People who are sick, who take antibiotics a lot. COPDers, do they take antibiotics a lot? You can ask them, have you taken antibiotics in the last three months? Does that make sense? They probably could be at higher risk. Do they have lung disease? Do they have structural lung disease? Are they on steroids? Does that make sense? Could they have drug-resistant pneumococcus? Because if they do, I might want to give different answers. If the answer to that is, no, I'm a 26-year-old college student. I'm perfectly healthy. I haven't had antibiotics since I was three for my otitis media. Does that make sense? Versus, hi, I have COPD and I got, and I got a course of azithromycin two weeks ago. Does that make sense? Is that crystal clear? So what do you do is, we're going to have people, are they at risk of drug-resistant pneumococcus? Yes or no? The people in the no category, what can I consider giving? I can consider giving them a macrolide. Does that make sense? Now, they might be changing that a little bit because remember we said macrolides, the rate of pneumococcus resistance is going up. Does that make sense? You have to be cautious. Now they're actually recommending that you may consider adding amoxyl to that. Does that make sense? Depending on what your local prevalence rates of pneumococcal resistance are. Does that make sense? Because what's always the most common bug that causes a pneumonia in everybody aside from neonates in one month is always pneumococcus, streptococcus pneumonia. Does that kind of jive? It's what is two and three and four. That's what varies. Are we crystal clear, folks? Are we rocking? All right. So let's say if they are at risk, does that make sense, of drug-resistant pneumococcus, I have a couple different... I could use a respiratory, fill it out, fluoro, quinolone, right? So levofloxacin, moxifloxacin, those types of things, right? What is, what's a little raw? What can fluoroquinolone, what can it associate with? Just give me some stuff. Mm-hmm. They can, they can prolong the QT. Let's say you don't have an EKG. Oh my god, I just fell because I tore my Achilles. Mm-hmm. Oh. Can they interact with things like Coumadin, Ectarin Irons? So if you have somebody who wants to be wrong with Coumadin for the ratio of Fib and they have COPD, you might say you might need to get your IR checked a bit frequently. Does that make sense? Is that kind of jive? Excellent. So people with artist factor, respiratory fluoroquinolone, that's an option. Does that make sense? You could use a macrolide plus uh, 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 um, uh, um, like an anti-pneumococcal penicillin, like something like a moxil, right? You could use both agents. That's an option as well. Too. Is that crystal clear? 
That's what we're going to use for most outpatients. All right. So let's say those people that we're looking at them and we're thinking, man, this guy's pretty sick. Qualifies an inpatient. Let's let's try to see what are we going to give them, right? So these are going to be people with with curb 65 scores are a bit uh, like two or higher. You're going to consider inpatient management. Now inside a hospital, there's two places with pneumonia people get admitted. They're either going to go in where? They're either going to go to the floor or they're going to go to the ICU. Does that make sense? Who do we send to the ICU? Well, people who can't breathe, so they need because they need they need the help of a ventilator. Does that make sense? Or people who have a problem because their blood pressure is the same as their age, which is 45. Does that make sense? So they need vasopressors. Yeah. Does that kind of jive? That's like the two big reasons why people go to the ICU. Does that kind of jive? Isn't that not correct? You need to be on a ventilator, because I can't do that on the floor. I can't do that in the ALC department. Does that make sense? And you need to be on a vasopressor, or you need to be on a vasopressor. So you can ask yourself, does this person need to be on a vasopressor? Are they in septic shock with their pneumonia? Are they going to do that? If they are, they're going to go to the ICU. If they're not, right, they're going to go to your floor. Which, which place is going to be the, uh, if I look at all comers, which place is going to be way, way, way more common, like 99 to 2, 98 to 2? Is the, is the floor. Does that make sense? But you always want to ask yourself that early. I can easily give you guys a question. This person comes inside, they're on uh, um, 15 liters a minute, satting 90% breathing at 45 breaths per minute. Are you going to want to send that person to the floor? No. You're going to say, my God, this person is on 100% oxygen, the 100% non-rebreather mask, and they're breathing still at 45, and their sat is only 90%. They need to be on a ventilator. Their respiratory system is failing mucho grande. Is that crystal clear? Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the floor people first, right? You're going to ask yourself, so then we said, okay, you're going to ask yourself, if you consider this bug, everybody says pseudomonas. What do they say? Pseudomonas. What's their chance of? Pseudomonas. What's their chance of? Pseudomonas. What's their chance of? What's their chance of? <laughs> and tuberculosis. Does that make sense? Right, so I have to ask myself, what's this chance that I'm dealing with a bug that could be a little bit weird? I think when I want you to think about a pseudomonas, I want you to have in the back of your mind things like fungal infections always have um, TB and influenza in your mind. Does that make sense? So who gets pseudomonas? Who gets pseudomonas? Yeah. Good. So see. So let's let's be broader. Structural lung disease. We agree on that. Bronchiectasis, CF, people with really bad COPD. I remember it. Who? What does Pseudomonas like? Pseudomonas likes structural lung disease. You throw a little bit of prednisone there to get rid of those neutrophils a bit, right? You know, you get some and lots of antibiotics all the time because most of the antibiotics they cover Pseudomonas, so the Pseudomonas can just have a party and just relax. So what does Pseudomonas love? Pseudomonas loves chronic lung disease. A little sip of prednisone to keep that immune system in check. Right? And lots of antibiotics. Because chances are you're not thinking about Pseudomonas. So it can just relax. Hey, look, pneumococcus, what happened to you? Oh, yeah, you're dead now because that person got levofloxacin. <laughs> that person got the, the, the amoxil. It'll touch. I know, I should say. But I should say, like, if the person got the amox clab, amox clab will kill you. I love it. I survived. It. Like it's that. hors d'oeuvres for me. Does that make sense? That's what Pseudomonas likes. Are we crystal clear? That's what pseudomonas like. So you're going to think about that. Who do I think it's a... So your COPD or comes inside constantly antibiotics, constantly on steroids? Pseudomonas. Person with structural lung disease? Pseudomonas. You look at the x-ray on the good day and you go, ah, 
Pseudomonas. Does that make sense? <laughs> Does that kind of jive? Mm -hmm. This lung does not look normal. You said to see the chronic ster the person on chronic steroid, pseudomonas. Does that kind of jive? So I have to, when I bring that person in, I have to consider that pseudomonas is a very, very real possibility. Does that make sense? So I have to make sure I'm covering them with an anti-pseudomonal penicillin. Right? And I usually like to double cover them. Right? So they usually are on a respiratory fluoroquinolone plus an anti-pseudomonal penicillin. So they could be piptazo, levaquin, piptazo, cipro. Does that make sense? Lots of different options. Are there other Gentamicin, it can be used as well too. I think miropenem as well too, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 miropenem can be used as well. Yeah, ceftazidime as well can be used. But usually like, you, you tend to don't want to give like two kind of beta-lactams. You wouldn't use like ceftaz, piptaz. Does that make sense? Um, you could, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you would rather use it for like a fluoroquinolone if you can. Does that make sense? No, thankfully, most people are not in that category. What can I do for, let's say, if you don't have a lot of those risk factors, what can I consider using? I consider using either a respiratory fluoroquinolone by itself or a macrolide plus a second or certain generation kephosphorin. Is that crystal clear? So most of your inpatients are going to be on a macrolide plus a second or third generation kephosphorin. Are you crystal clear? All right, what do I do now for people, folks, who are in the ICU? They have respiratory failure because they're in the ICU. So do I have to think about drug-resistant pneumococcus? Of course. Do I have to think about pseudomonas? Yes. Do I have to think, now what's the other organism I want you guys to think of? MRS? So I want to make sure I'm adding something that's going to cover MRSA pneumonia, right? And what can cover MRSA pneumonia, right? Vancomycin. Does that make sense? So if I have somebody that I'm shipping to the ICU because they have a severe pneumonia, they're getting vancomycin. Does that make sense? If I see cavities, the pneumonia guy I want to talk about, if you see cavities, a severe pneumonia, or an empyema, you have to strongly think about MRSA. Does that kind of job? Or staph aureus slash MRSA. Are we crystal clear? Is that useful? So you might use Piptazo, Levaquin, Vanco. Does that make sense? You're always going to think about influ. What would I give you for the fourth correct answer and stuff? This is during flu season in November. Tamiflu, right? Also Tamiflu, right? Nothing wrong with that. But you're like, Mike, it's outside the 48 hours. I don't care. Yep, it. The guideline talks about it. The brand new influenza guidelines talk about it. Listen, if someone's really sick, who cares if they're outside of the thing? Give them the medication. Yeah, it's going to benefit. Who am I not going to give? Yeah, if you have a healthy outpatient that comes in with influenza and it's day six, I'm not going to give them Tamiflu. Does that make sense? But I have a person who's in the ICU on ventilator, and it's day six. I'm going to give them Tamiflu, right? Is that crystal clear? Interesting thing with influenza. Influenza actually increases your rate. Uh, 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 um, I shouldn't say increases your rate. It can predispose you for staph aureus pneumonia. Does that make sense? So watch that double dipping. And you know what else is a risk factor for staph aureus pneumonia too? Leave fluoroquinolone use. So how many people come inside, hey, you have a pneumonia, here's your levofloxacin, and then you see them back a week later and they look like hell warmed over. You kind of wonder, did they really have an influenza pneumonia and now they have, do you understand? Is that crystal clear? Pneumonia, folks. Pregnancy. What can I use in pregnancy? Good. Moxil, good one for outpatient choices. Right, very, very good, uh, very, very good one for, uh, for uh, outpatient choices. One second. 